Among us. I am your guide, Derek Hayes. Hello there, folks, and welcome to yet another episode. We're going to do something a little different and a little special tonight. As it turns out, I'm leaving for Ohio tomorrow morning, and I don't have the time it takes to put a regular scheduled program together. So, tonight, I am joined by a very special guest, the moderator of the Facebook page, Addie Lloyd. Welcome, Addie. Hello, Derek. Hey, listeners. Thank you so much for bailing me out. Uh, I, I, we're going to wing this tonight. There's no script. We have our calls, and we're going to go for it. So thank you so much, and welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I absolutely appreciate this opportunity. So as I mentioned, you are the moderator of the Facebook page. Uh, let me ask you, what exactly does that entail, and how did you get the position? Okay, great. Well, actually, I like to call myself assistant to the regional manager known as Derek Hayes. I love when you do that, actually. I'm a huge (laughs) office fan. (laughs) So, actually, what I do is I research spooky and crazy things, and I share with the group. I interact with members. I find more members. I really try hard to drum up more listeners. And, in fact, I have some business cards of yours that you sent me that I'm definitely going to hand out to people. Because when... I'm telling people like the barista dude in line at the coffee hut that has a skinwalker tattooed on his arm. I just, I don't have enough time to enough breath in the five minutes that it takes to exchange money to tell him about my favorite podcast. So this, this will be great. Um, so that's what I do. I do a lot of research time. I know it probably looks like I'm always behind the computer, but I'm actually not. I've, I'm pretty technical savvy and I've figured out a way to, preload articles and different things for the listeners that I think that will drum up engagement because that's truly what I want to do is keep it an active place and a positive place. So truth be told, the number of listeners has gone up extensively and the reviews are pouring in. So whatever you're doing over there is working and I truly appreciate it. Thank you so much for volunteering your time, your bandwidth, I guess, to to put all this stuff out. I truly appreciate it. Well, thank you for recognizing me. I, you know, you asked how I found um, this position. Yeah. Well, um, I think it was in late November, early December, you had put a call out on the podcast. Hey, I'm looking for a moderator. And I heard that and I thought, oh my gosh, I really, really want to do that. I love the paranormal. It's totally my thing. And oh my gosh, 
I don't have a chance in hell because I am this uh, soccer mom. I'm not really a soccer mom, but you know, here I am, this Midwestern mom. I'm a teacher. I'm a wife. I'm I'm pretty boring. And I emailed you, and I could not believe that it was like, yeah, absolutely. Thank you for helping me out, and here's what I would like to happen. And it, I think it's been a great working relationship since. It definitely has. It definitely has. It, the funny thing is, you were pretty much the only person that responded to that call to action, which I guess isn't entirely true because uh, Corey Trim, who you guys may remember as the artist that, that did some drawings for the show uh, last year, he volunteered, but he volunteered like a week after you were already on board. And as you know, thanks, Corey. I appreciate it. But, uh, you know, positions filled, whatever. And like a week later, he emailed me back. He's like, I'm so glad you went with Addie because she's doing way more than I ever would have done. So, um, well, thank you, Corey, for volunteering, first of all. But um, that's kind of a testament to how much work and and sweat you put into uh, the show that that uh, we've created here. Well, thank you. And Corey, I think your artwork's amazing. And I so appreciate that compliment. Thank you, Corey. So my next question, I guess, before we get started is, um, you're here, you're interested in the paranormal. How did that happen? Where did this interest uh, come from? Oh, thanks for asking that. It's a great question. So I live in Wyoming, and Wyoming is very conservative. Not a lot of crazy things happen in Wyoming. But I had this very magical grandmother who... um, was her dad was a senator to FDR. So she grew up between Wyoming and Washington, D.C. She was born in the 20s. She served in World War II in the occupation. And she introduced me to uh, reading tarot cards at the age of eight, which is kind of crazy. And she lived in a haunted house and she had just crazy life experiences that she just made so magical for me. And my grandma and I were very, very close But unfortunately, we lost her mind to Alzheimer's about 22 years ago. And she finally left her earthly form this summer, which was a blessing. It was just an absolutely terrible thing to go through. Mm -hmm. But she was magical and she created magic where there was dust, if you will. And I'm going to go ahead and out myself. I didn't tell you I was going to do this, but I was one of the anonymous callers about um, a bunch of kids uh, underage drinking in an empty house and the uh, a horrendous noise came from the back of the house it was within the house and when we called the non-emergency number to have a walkthrough done they found that someone was breaking in from the outside and I just truly believe that whatever was in her house whatever magic resided in that house protected us because we were really dumb and probably should have been cited for minors and possessions, but we're not. And so um, my grandma's kind of my legacy. I remember that call, actually. Uh, I remember saying something along the lines of, you know, it was a good thing to call the police or or something along those lines that uh, when you hear something strange in your house, don't always assume it's a ghost. The the safer thing to assume is probably a burglar or, you know, something like that. So uh, I do remember that call. I didn't realize that was you. So that's awesome. Yeah, that was me. Before I move on to my next question, was there any sort of activity in your grandmother's house that you remember? Yeah, it was crazy. So she was in uh, World War II, and she brought back some Dresden figurines that were just absolutely beautiful. It was a boy and a girl and kind of positioned in a ballet pose, if you will, but they were not connected. And she had them 
on a shelf. And when I picture the shelf, I want you to think old South, like just very intricate, very beautiful, heavy uh, cherry wood type of furniture. And these two figurines would always end up together, always. And whether they'd end up on the floor together or in the middle of the shelf together overnight. And it was just a really odd thing. So finally her resolution was to just put them together and keep them together. And in fact, my mom has those figurines in her China ch uh, cabinet that she inherited from uh, her mother, um, my grandmother's mother, not, not my mom's mom. But, um, and she has those figurines and they are kept together and they're just happy together. So that was one thing. And, you know, my grandma could have been pulling my leg, but I really don't think she was. That's what grandmas are good for, though, isn't it? <laughs> it is. I, I miss both of mine terribly. Uh, so these little figurines, like, I'm, I'm wondering if next time you're at your mother's house, if you could do a little experiment, you just pull them apart and just see what happens. Just, you know, ma will. maybe take a photo before and then next time, okay. you know, something like that. Just just for me. Um, maybe post it on the, the fan page. I will. And I have one last question before we get started tonight, Addie. Sure. Um, how did you find this show? And this is a personal question for me because I'm always interested to hear how people find the show. Um, it, sometimes it's friends. Sometimes it's just a simple Google search. But um, yeah, I'm interested to see how you found it. Okay. Well, how I found you was, uh, as you know, uh, the fans may not know, my husband and I had a surprise baby. Our oldest is nine. And we have a nine, a ten-month-old. And... <laughs> Uh, when I was on maternity leave, I was trying to build up back my stamina um, because I we do a lot of hiking. So I was walking. I was endlessly walking. I was trying to build back up. And I was listening to a podcast my husband had recommended because he is a huge podcast guy. That's all he listens to. And I was tired of my playlist. I just was tired of it. And so I went to podcasts. And the one I first started listening to was a fitness podcast by a guy that's coined the phrase no sugar no grains his name's Vinny Tortich I love him but I got tired of the fitness rope and I just searched in my Apple podcast paranormal podcast and yours popped up right away and I'm I'm going to be completely transparent here it's one of the best out there because of all the other ones I've listened to you provide a a reasonable answer and you're respectful to the caller. And I think that's huge. That's a huge testament to who you are as a person. Well, thank you for that. I appreciate that. You know, when I started the show, my thought was I have to do something different. Otherwise, why bother? You know, there's got, I have to have a new element. And I realize there's other call-in shows and stuff like that. But um, I, I tried to, to make this one my own. I wanted to, not everything's paranormal. Let's start with that. Uh, so there are ex explanations for for these strange things sometimes not every time so I, I thought it was important to at least explore those options I'm not you know I, like I always say I wasn't there so I can't say one way or another how these things actually went down but I can offer up you know plausible explanations for an otherwise implausible event um, which is I guess the best that I can do so I, I, I appreciate the fact that um, you listened and stuck around especially after those first couple episodes those were kind of <laughs> rough <laughs> hey we all gotta start somewhere well, yeah, and I did. <laughs> so, what do you say we get started uh, on our first call for the evening? I'm very excited. Okay, you're going to be really excited when you find out who the caller is. Oh my gosh. So our first call of the evening comes to us via a very special listener. The following is Izzy's call from the state of Wyoming. 
Hi, my name is Izzy, and my mom is Daddy. I'm from Wyoming, and at school, I'm a library volunteer. I put away books and delivery, deliver library cards. So one day, I was putting away books with another volunteer, but the librarian was gone. A chapter book wasn't where it was supposed to be, and I moved it to the correct area. I walked away to the other side of the library to put away another book. Then I walked back to the area I just was, and the book was moved to the first spot before I put it away. I asked my partner if she moved it, and she didn't know what I was talking about. I moved it again, and it kept ending up where it shouldn't have been. Anyway, the librarian always tells me creepy stuff would happen, and that's my story. I love your podcast, and keep up the good work. Thank you, Izzy, so much for that call. Uh, Addie, anything you'd like to start off with? Well, I know that human very well. Uh, That would be my nine-year-old daughter. It's crazy because we don't really expose her to anything paranormal. And she came to me last night and said, Hey mom, some weird stuff's been happening in the library and I want to call in to the podcast. And I was just blown away. So I said, absolutely. But I didn't expect to hear it this evening. So that's a wonderful surprise. I I thought it was adorable for starters, but the second thing that popped out to me was the story, which you told yesterday, I believe it was yesterday on the AMA that you did on the Facebook page you mm-hmm. told the doll story from your grandmother then, too. So I knew about it ahead of time. Yeah. Um, and I just can't help but see the correlation there. Um, your daughter's experiencing items moving around just like your grandmother did. So I'm kind of wondering, did she maybe inherit some sort of helper? You know, that's a great... I wonder. That's a, that's a great observation. Uh, my daughter's pretty magical. She's kind of looks like a delicate flower, but she truly is not. She's a force to be reckoned with. <laughs> she calls herself fierce, and I think she gets some of that from somewhere. I wonder where that comes from. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, the other thing, and, and Izzy, this is to you directly, um, find out about the history of your building. Uh, when was it built? Uh, has anything happened there? Uh, or possibly, I know the the area there in Wyoming is is rife with uh, battles. I, I uh, during my time there, I remember visiting a particular battle site and having a picnic, and I couldn't tell you what the battle site was. I was probably twelve at the time, but um, I know that there's a lot of uh, tragedy that's happened in that city. So you know that's something I would do is is research the land and research the building and see if there's any history of anything strange happening, anything tragic happening, and maybe. You can tie something together there. Uh, well, thank you so much, Izzy, for that call. I really appreciate it. And um, be careful in that library. You never know what might be in there. <laughs> so moving on to our next call, coincidentally, also comes from a very special listener. This is Annie's call from Parts Unknown. Okay, so hi. This is, well, I am Annie. I have been listening to your podcast for a very long time now, and I'm very interested in it. Um, 
So yeah, let's just get into the story. So this happened sort of like eight o'clock-ish, my bedtime. I am only seven and a half. I was still probably seven, well, just seven, because it wasn't my half birthday yet. But yeah, so I was just laying down on my bed. I was just looking in the hallway. My parents were watching TV. And all of a sudden, I see this little kid, like shadow figure standing in front of my doorway and so it's just staring at me it stared at me for like five minutes and it sort of got a little glitchy as it walked towards well it walked it started to walk towards me and as it did it got way more glitchier as before and then once it got a little tiny bit close to me it felt like something was like stabbing into me. Once it got like right next to my face, stared at me for one more minute, and then it went back to my doorstep and did it all over again. And then it disappeared, and I didn't see it ever again. I know it was a short story, but please make sure to put this on your podcast. I love your podcast. Doing a great job. Keep it up. Thank you, Annie, for calling in. You told that story so well. Um, Addie, what are your first uh, initial thoughts on this story? Well, first and foremost, I want to recognize that Annie and Izzy most must both be very, uh, just really well-behaved children, and I love that they both gave such wonderful, positive reinforcement about keeping it up, and I think I loved that. Um, one thing that came to my mind was the stabby feeling. Could that be some electric, electromagnetic type of activity? Or, I mean, her parents were watching TV at the time, so could that be a suggestion from the TV? Well, that's what I was thinking. I wasn't necessarily thinking along those lines, but I was thinking of the stabbing feeling she got as well, and I was thinking maybe it was fear. Um, I, I, I don't know. Everybody's different, but, you know, sometimes when I, it hasn't happened in a long time, I'm a grown man now, but, you know, when, when I was younger and I used to get scared, I would feel phys, physical pain sometimes, like in my chest, tightening, that kind of thing. So I was wondering if maybe she's so scared that she feels physical pain and it, you know, manifests as like a stabbing feeling. Um, I haven't necessarily heard of a shadow figure, you know, producing acute pain like that, but, you know, stranger things have happened. I did find it very interesting that she described it as glitchy, though. That is a report I've heard. I don't know if I've heard it necessarily on the show, but I have read about it in the past, um, you know, where an apparition will move in a glitchy motion. Like, if, if, if it were a film, it would be a few frames cut out here and there, so it just kind of jump around. Um, but on the show, we have had a lot of calls about a static figure that's, you know, that's in the shape of TV static. So I'm wondering if maybe that's just how she's describing, you know, a TV static look. Because I feel like kids nowadays have never even seen TV static. I remember growing up, that's how I watched my shows, through the static. So, um, yeah, it was just kind of a thought that I had. No, absolutely. One thing I would be interested to know, Annie, is if this happens again, or maybe do you know the history of your house? Maybe it's a residual kind of a thing. You know, that's fair advice to give anyone that's had an experience like this. But the thing I've noticed with shadow people is that 
there usually isn't some sort of history to it. They just show up for no reason. They show up in houses that were recently built or, um, you know, places that are otherwise benign and ordinary. So it's a good question. It's a good question. Thanks, Annie, for calling in. I think that's awesome how brave you are to call in to this big, giant podcast. And I loved how well-spoken you are. Maybe you and Izzy can become pen pals. You should have your mom message me. I'll do you one better. I think that Izzy and Annie should have their own paranormal podcast. Uh, oh, there you go. I, I, it's something I would probably tune into. Absolutely, me too. That's a new angle. I don't think there's a kid's paranormal podcast out there. So kids, get on that. Oh, my gosh. Moving right along here, our next call is an anonymous call from the state of Pennsylvania. And this is one that kind of hits home for me. Hi, Derek. One summer late afternoon, about seven or eight years ago, I was traveling back from an event with my entire family down Springfield Church Road between Jackson Center, Pennsylvania, and Grove City, Pennsylvania, about 60 miles north of Pittsburgh. We came up to a bend in the road a few hundred yards past Springfield Church and were surprised to see what appeared to be a very large black cat moving between the road and a cornfield. It was only about 20 yards away from our car. Everyone in the car saw the creature. It took a few steps before disappearing into the rows of corn. A skeptic might say that we just saw a dog as the creature we saw was comparable in size to a black lab we've all seen black labs before. My uncle owns one. The creature moved exactly like I have seen leopards move in the zoo. Everyone agreed that whatever it was that we saw, it was definitely more feline than canine. It had a longer tail with shorter fur than my uncle's black lab. The Pennsylvania Game Commission says that mountain lions, once a thriving species in the area, have been extinct in the state since the late 1800s. Yet I have heard many reports of the big cats being seen much more recently. Many of the reports describe a black cat. I remember watching an episode of Monster Quest that dealt with big cat sightings, and a scientist made a claim that it was highly improbable that mountain lions would ever have black hair. I believe I saw a big black cat, and it's a mystery why people see these things when they supposedly don't exist. Thanks for your time. Thank you, caller, for that story. Now, as a, a witness of a giant black cat, I can attest that when people say, oh, you saw a dog or you saw something else, like, no. that's When I saw it, it was a black panther. There's no mistaking it for anything else. I was close enough. Um, it was a big, powerful black cat. Um, so I kind of feel his frustration when people say, oh, you saw a black lab or whatever. I, I, I side with that caller on that. The, the weird thing about it is that way back in the very first episode, I actually did a ton of research trying to determine whether or not mountain lions could be melanistic, uh, meaning all black, the, you know, the opposite of albino. And everything I read said no. And I actually cited that Monster Quest episode that the caller is referring to, and I, there's a biologist on there, I believe he's out of Texas, he's a big cat biologist, and he uh, he said it's not impossible, but it's never been reported. So, I, I just, I feel it's kind of strange that not only is a mountain lion making it to a region of the country that they no longer exist in, but those happen to be black mountain lions. So I'm thinking, my personal opinion, that what I saw what he saw and what others are seeing is not a mountain lion. 
it's some other big cat. Uh, that's just my personal opinion based on that information alone. Um, it, what, what's your thought on this, Addie? Like, have you ex- well, ever heard of anything outside the show of, of um, you know, you, you live in mountain lion country. What, what's your take? Well, I, I do. I've heard, and I'm wondering about a possible evolution of mountain lion uh-huh. because of how populated places are becoming that were no longer that used to not be populated but and I'm probably going to say this word wrong but what about a chimera now I know that there's a chimera in uh, mythology but I'm speaking of the one in biology where it's like two animals that that breed and then they have um, that are not the same species and then they come up with a different you know, you've seen the cats, the chimeras. Mm-hmm. They're like, like a, half black. Like a liger. Uh, part yeah, tiger, absolutely. part lion. So, yeah, that's a that's a really interesting thought. Um, I, I just wonder what two species would, would get together. But the thing that kind of throws a monkey wrench into this is the fact that, you know, back in the 60s and 70s, it was uh, in vogue to have uh, exotic pets, uh, big cats, uh, wolves, stuff like that. And at a certain point, I believe it was in the early 80s or late 70s, something like that, the the laws changed, and all these people that had these exotic animals were forced to, you know, send them to zoos or sanctuaries, and a lot of them just simply turned them loose. So, potentially, the countryside could be filled with these escaped or, or released exotic pets. And circumstances being as they may... Uh, these two big cats found each other and their offspring is a black panther for lack of a better term but i feel like that would be somewhat difficult to do because the range is so huge though i mean you get reports from new york ohio west virginia pennsylvania um and these are just recent calls into my show the past you know season so is that the case that these things have, are reproducing so rapidly that they're taking up all this space or is there something stranger going on but i, I really like uh your theory that's Something I actually never thought of. So you just triggered a memory from my childhood. Um, When I was a little girl, we picked up a puppy along the side of the road. Uh, You know, I grew up a pseudo ranch kid. And it was a part dingo. And unfortunately, we had to have the dog put down because she was... She liked humans, but um, growing up where I grew up, around us, people had ranch animals and she would go on a killing spree any chance she got. Wow. And uh, her name was Toto, not for the band, but because I really wanted to be uh, Dorothy from Wizard of Oz. <laughs> and she was not a small dog, but I still named her Toto. And I'll never forget having to take her to be put down because it was just out of control and my mom was pregnant. I'm six years older than my brother and my mom was pregnant at the time with my brother and that was just a huge concern and I kind of had completely forgot about her and so it's interesting to me in Landlock, Wyoming how did we end up with this dog that was part dingo and it was confirmed through the vet it wasn't a oh I think that's a dingo type you know what I mean yeah that's that's actually really interesting because I was under the impression that a dingo wasn't a canine Uh, I could be completely wrong I'm not from Australia I've never been to Australia but I know a lot of the animals there aren't what you think they are like a koala bear is not a bear it's a marsupial right. it's a different kind of creature and i thought that dingoes were marsupials as well but um if they're you know 
interbreeding with dogs, then that's obviously not the case because I'm pretty sure a marsupial is not going to be able to breed successfully with, um, you know, another species. So that's something I'm going to look into, but I, I, not that I don't believe you. I just find it fascinating. And as I mentioned before in my ask me anything video, I could probably be told anything by my parents and I'd believe it. (laughs) What color was the dog by, uh, um, she was, uh, she was black and speckled. Like she had kind of a brindley speckle on her and she was real lean. Um, very, uh, very agile. Huh. And, and dingoes are like a red color, like like a human's red yeah. hair, right? Yeah, yeah. She was black with some of that red brindle in there. And so I just looked this up, and um, it says dingoes and domestic dogs had common ancestors, uh, the dingo. Huh. So the possibility is uh, obviously there. That's that's very interesting. Yeah. Huh. And, uh, I learned something on my own show. Look at that. That's awesome. <laughs> I learn something on the show every week. I don't know what I'm talking about. So that's that's fascinating how a dingo or part dingo would end up in Wyoming. But perhaps, I, I don't want to give your age out, um, but I know we're similar yeah. similar ages, and I know that the dates kind of line up. So perhaps this part dingo was one of these exotic pets that, you know, you said it was a puppy though, correct? Yeah, she was, and uh, she was found along the side of a road um, out um I'm trying to think my directions here. I have to think where the mountain is because the mountain is south in Casper, as you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, northwest, kind of in a desolate place. Like it was obviously a dump. You know, somebody was like, I don't want this animal. Hmm. Well, it's unfortunate that she was dumped, but it's, it's fascinating at the same time. Yeah. Well, anyway, thank you, caller, for that story. You know, these big cat things, like, you know, kind of hit home for me because that's pretty much what got me started in the paranormal in the first place so uh thank you again for that call uh let's move on along here to um this next call that's also maybe cat related uh the following call is riley's from the state of north carolina hey Derek. this is riley calling from north carolina again so i was actually planning to call in with a different story but uh something really weird happened uh, last week, so um, I live um, in, or not in, but like just outside a small town called Moxville in North Carolina. It's not really like a total rural area, but it's fairly rural. So um, there are like wild animals around here. So that's important, uh, important detail. So um, this happened around 11 o'clock at night, I believe. Uh, I'd gotten home from work and my brother had gotten home from work so we were just chatting in our dining room just talking about our days and whatnot. and um, in the middle of our conversation we all of a sudden hear this weird warped warbled scream cry something the best way I can describe it it was like halfway between a fire siren and a like a coyote or a dog howling but it was like really weird. It just sounded off, like something was wrong with it or something. It was just, the second I heard it, my my blood just froze. It was horrifying. And so uh, as soon as I heard it, we stopped talking and I turned to him and I said, did you hear that? And he goes, yeah. So we 
stop talking and start listening for a second and about like five seconds later we hear uh we hear the sound again and then it's um the sound itself lasts for uh, lasted for maybe two to three seconds at a time and uh we heard it one more time after that and then it stopped so needless to say uh we were both pretty freaked out i slept with the lights on that night um so possible explanations that I can come up with, um, or things that it can't really be, is, um, we do have a lot of neighbors around us that have dogs and stuff, but I've lived here for, like, ten years, so I know what they sound like. This was definitely not any of the neighbors' dogs howling or anything, and, uh, we also live somewhat close to a fire station, and, uh, Occasionally during the night, I'll hear sirens of, you know, fire trucks, ambulance, whatever. But, um, again, I've lived here for 10 years. I know what that sounds like. It was definitely not anything like that. It was not a fire truck. It wasn't anything. Now, like I said, we do live in a pretty rural area, so it could have been some other kind of wild animal or uh, like a coyote howl or something that I just was not familiar with the sound of. But, uh, yeah, it was it was pretty bizarre. So uh, if you got... Any explanations, or if anybody else does, I'd love to hear it. Love to hear your thoughts on it. Uh, love the podcast, man. Keep it up. Thank you, Riley, for that call. Uh, I'm going to start off by telling a story that I probably told on the show, but we're going on 100 episodes here, so I'm starting to forget what I've already said. Uh, when I was a kid, um, we we lived far away from the road. And I had to walk uh, probably a quarter of a mile to get to the bus stop. And they wouldn't stop in front of our house because of a blind hill. So I had to go way down to the neighbor's house. And across the road from there is just this wide open um, pine forest. And I'd say it was probably uh, at least a thousand acres before you hit a house. So it's a pretty big swatch of land through there. And when I you would know, get on the bus, it'd be like 630 in the morning. So it's pitch black outside. And um, I'm by myself. I'm the oldest in my family, so I, I was the only one that went to school early, you know. So I get to the bus stop, and I just hear what sounds like a woman screaming maybe 30 yards into the woods, just screaming her lungs out. And at first I thought somebody was playing a joke on me. I thought maybe my dad had snuck in there and decided to be funny to do that. And it just kept going and kept going, and I just kept getting more and more terrified of whatever this thing was. So I, I booked it. I literally ran probably a mile away and got on the bus at the next stop that I knew of. Um, and it turns out, I you know, I told my dad that night, and he had a tape of animal calls. So what I did is we went through the, the calls and realized that it was a fox in heat. Um, so this thing screaming, you know, trying to find a mate, and it just sounded terrifying. So what I'm thinking here... Uh, actually, I'm going to do this. Addy, you tell me what you're thinking, and then I'll come circle back and kind of give my suggestion here. And it's okay. not a, my suggestion's not a fox, just so you know. Oh, okay. So, my, this I thought about um, quite a bit because I, I did get to listen to this one earlier. And as you know, and the listeners might not know, but you know that I have a cabin in the mountains in Wyoming, and we spend a tremendous time up there in the summer. And one summer, we were on the deck enjoying cocktail hour, and just this terrible, terrible noise was happening. 
down um, our cabin, our land backs national forest. So it was in the national forest. And I am positive it was a bear. It was in the summertime. We do have black bears where we are. We also have lions. But I know when bears attack, they are strong enough and they just start to eat. And it could be at your feet or it could be at your head, but it, it just doesn't matter. And it was the, I just even hate to think about it because the noise was such complete, just terrible, terrible sounds. And my dad and husband had gone down the next day to kind of go check things out. And truly they believed to find uh, a carcass of an elk calf. And, um, which is heartbreaking because I love elk and I love moose and, uh, my mom does not allow people to hunt on our property because that's, those are her, you know, what she likes to do. Like she likes to watch, to paint them. And so we have resident Mr. Moose and then the elk herds that come through. Um, so that is definitely something that I don't really like to think about, but that's what that reminded me of because of just talking about how was a scream and a cry would be a bear. (laughs) That's actually something I never thought of was predation. I was thinking the opposite end of the carnal spectrum, I guess. Um, My thought was that this call came in uh, March 22nd, and I believe he said it happened the day before. Uh, I I should know this. I should have wrote it down, but I don't. But I believe the the event transpired a couple days before he called in or the day before, which just happens to coincide with bobcat mating season which runs, oh, yeah. runs from February to early April. So my thought was that, and I know bobcats are big in that area, um, perhaps it was just simply a bobcat searching for a mate, and I intended to play a sound of a bobcat in heat, but I really couldn't find a very good example of it. So uh, if I happen to find it, I'll plug it in here. But if not, um, maybe hit up YouTube and, and check for yourself and, and see what you think. But uh, I, I can... I can tell you, as an experiencer of something similar to this, it is terrifying when you don't know what it is you're hearing and you're you know, alone at night uh, or even with one other person and you just don't know what it is. It can be definitely terrifying. So uh, I definitely feel for you there, Riley. Well, thank you again, Riley, for submitting that call. And um, if you happen to hear anything that sounds similar, shoot me an email or uh, hit us up on Facebook and let us know if you figured out what that was. So this is the part where I tell you to uh, follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and join the fan group that Addie is the wonderful moderator of. I also tell you to uh, hit up Patreon. I put out two extra episodes a month on top of a video, which this month, well, I guess April's video is going to be a couple days late because I'm taking a trip to Ohio. It is filmed. I just need to sit down and edit it. So when I get back, that will be posting. And what else do I tell people, Addie? Uh, you tell them to check out Cryptid Crate. Cryptid Crate, yes, do that. And you uh, tell them to rate and review. We like five stars, folks. And one more thing before we move on to our final story of the night. Uh, you guys know Warren Pon Abbott, the very talented vocal actor that performs a lot of the stories you hear on the show, uh, just so you don't have to hear my voice so much. Um, today happens to be Warren's birthday, so a huge Happy birthday to Warren. Happy birthday, Warren. And also, if you guys don't know this, Warren is a very talented artist, and I believe he has an Etsy shop you should probably check out. Oh, I didn't even know that. So I'll find out what that is, and I will put that in the show notes for tonight's show. Happy birthday, Warren. All right, Addie, we got one more, and this one is a doozy. 
Uh, are you ready? I am ready. Okay, we're going to need it. So our next call, and final call, comes to us from the deserts of Arizona. This is Tim's call. Hello. My name is Tim, and I'm calling from, well, the small town of Litchfield Park, Arizona. My story took place in the summer of 1980. I will preface this story by saying that I am a very open-minded, but generally not prone to believing in supernatural phenomenon type person, particularly at an early age where I've never heard of such things. I was only 16 years old then, and I am 54 now, and this episode still gives me the chills. As you can imagine, there was not a whole lot to do in a small town about 10 miles west of Phoenix, Arizona, in the uh, early 1980s. So for fun, my friends and I had a regular rotation where one of us would sneak out one of our parents' cars, and we would go cruise the downtown area, central Phoenix, with all the other kids um, on the weekend evenings. Uh, just looking for fun, typical cruising kid behavior. Um, well, we'd wait for our parents to go to bed, and then we would sneak out the car and go pick up the other guys, and off we'd go for a night of shenanigans. We would uh, usually drive um, downtown and after midnight and come home in the early morning hours, and before our parents got up and realized their cars were gone. <laughs> this uh, particular time, my friend Ben had snuck out his dad's brand-new Pontiac Firebird, which is a pretty cool, cool car at the time for any of our parents to drive back then. Ben had dropped me off in front of my parents' house. I was the last one to be dropped off. So we dropped off the other guys, and it was a cool, clear, perfect visibility hot Arizona summer night and morning and I was the last person to be dropped off in front of my my parents house and as I watched that fine automobile drive off I was admiring the car as Ben drove off down the street and when I turned around um, I was stunned to see a tall black formless figure standing in the middle of the street between me and my house what was uh, particularly odd was that I could not make out any features. It w looked almost like a black cutout figure. I'm absolutely certain it was not there when we pulled up because we would have literally run over it moments before. I just turned around and there it was. The figure was uh, very tall. I would guesstimate with the hat, I'll explain in a minute, the hat, it was close to seven feet tall. What was particularly odd was that the person, figure, being, thing, whatever you'd want to call it, was standing next to him. It appeared to be an older bicycle, like he was just holding the bicycle with one hand next to him, and he appeared to be wearing from the outline like a long coat, like period clothing from the 1800s. If I had to give a rough analogy of who the figure most looked like, it would I guess it'd have to look like Abraham Lincoln, complete with a stovepipe hat. So yes, if you were to set a fully blacked out, featureless cutout of Abraham Lincoln standing next to a bicycle in the middle of the street, that would most approximate what I saw. 
I literally rubbed my eyes thinking maybe I was just tired. I mean, I, we'd been out all night, and it was sunrise. It was that period of sunrise where it was difficult to make out colors because it's going from night to day, and you can't really resolve co bright colors at that uh, time of the morning. So I wasn't completely alarmed yet. I figured it was just literally my eyes maybe playing optical illusions tricks on me. So... I opened my eyes after rubbing my eyes, and the figure was still standing there, motionless, absolutely motionless. That's when the adrenaline started kicking in. Uh, I've always believed, um, even at a young age, I was very aggressive. I was very involved in martial arts and sports, and uh, I didn't. I, I, I possessed that uh, youthful curiosity with stupidity. I wasn't afraid of anything, and I would investigate things. So. Um, I always figured, you know, the best defense is a strong offense. So um, I, instead of running away from it, I actually approached it. And as I approached it, it still said nothing, and it did not move at all. It, it just was motionless. But what really scared the daylights out of me was as close, close, the closer I got to it, none of its features, none of the detail was resolving and quite frankly i still couldn't tell whether or not it was two-dimensional or three-dimensional it didn't seem to have normal depth but it was completely black and there was um plenty of lighter background so it was there it wasn't darkness it wasn't a mist it looked solid but i couldn't resolve any three-dimensional depth so that's what really started kicking in and worrying me was this thing, my eyes were not reconciling with what I was seeing. It wasn't getting more clear. That seems to be the most unusual detail of, of the incident, and it really scared me. So at that moment, I had no inclination to discover what the heck this thing was, and I took one more step towards it. So we were at a closing distance of about four feet. And I broke right, and I ran as fast as I've ever run down the side of my parents' house, and I clambered over the back gate faster than I ever had and jumped into my bedroom window and slammed it behind me. I didn't even care if my parents heard me, which they did. My dad came into my room asking me what the sound was, and I told him I just closed the window, um, which was accurate, but not the whole story. And he assumed I'd been there all night long. The only reason I know I didn't imagine this whole thing was I then heard my mother yell out saying, who's that standing out in front of the house in the middle of the street? Well, as you can imagine, my heart started pumping and I ran out, my dad followed me and we looked out the window and no one was there. Now it's important to note, my mom was a little freaked out because when she was walking to my room, she noticed the figure standing out in the street, stopped, and didn't take, she said she didn't take her eyes off of it, except for when my dad and I came into the room, and my dad said, what are you talking about? She briefly looked over at us, then back outside, and she just said, it, it's gone. And so and there's no way from her angle, she looked out the front window so her point of view from some bushes on one end to uh, uh, bushes on the other end, it had to be about 150 feet 
and this being or this figure was at the on her visual right side it could ha it would have had to instantaneously close a distance of about a hundred feet because it was about 20 feet in it was physically impossible at a full sprint you would have still seen that figure for a couple of seconds so it just disappeared as quickly as she could turn her head so but again I was gratified that she saw it because I knew I wasn't imagining things or wasn't crazy and no I had not been drinking despite being an irresponsible teen out running around all hours of the night so it you know in the ensuing years you know I've heard a lot of these stories about shadow people and hat men and these descriptions sound eerily similar I suppose I'm comforted somewhat and, and, and a little vindicated by other people's encounters of similar things but I sure would like to know what the nature is of these beings and where they come from but uh, anyway that's my story and all I can promise is that it happened uh, I can't offer any other explanation love the show thanks for the opportunity to share thank you Tim for calling in uh, Addie, I'm going to let you kick this one off here. Well, a couple things uh, stuck out to me. At first, I was wondering before he explained about the form and the bicycle, could it have been exhaust? Uh, if there was any, I know it was in Arizona, but if there was any humidity at all where the exhaust would have hung a little lower to the ground. But then I recalled something that I had shared early on when I started with the Monsters Among Us Facebook page about the dark watchers and i know you're probably familiar with them being that you live in california so that was that's kind of where i went was potentially the dark watchers or at first i thought maybe exhaust until he went into further detail i wondered about a residual hunting well let me start off by by filling everybody in the dark watchers are uh, a legend from the big sur region of california which is the central coast i think it's about hour and a half to two hours south of San Francisco. Um, it's these spooky mountains. They're right on the coast. I mean, the ocean hits the mountains. It's kind of crazy. It's foggy. It's treacherous. Beautiful. Beautiful. If you ever get a chance, go. Trust me. Um, and kind of spoiler alert here, but um, my fiance just booked a camping trip for us in July to go up there. So I'm going to be shooting a uh, Monsters Among Us Beyond video up there come July. So Stay tuned for that. Um, but as far as the exhaust is concerned, that's a very interesting theory. Uh, something I definitely didn't think of. My one um, concern with that would be the bicycle. Like, how do you get exhaust to go in the shape of a bicycle? Um, or was there just a bicycle sitting there, possibly, and the exhaust um, kind of hung around? Um, but as far as I'm concerned with this creature, I don't see it as a shadow person i i correlate it more with these recent calls we've gotten in i know there was one uh, a few episodes ago from illinois uh in a graveyard that somebody saw and it sounded almost identical to uh this report sans bicycle um is it it almost sounds like the grim reaper I, and i i hate to be cliche like that but that's exactly what these things sound like to me um not that i believe it's the grim reaper going around you know, collecting souls or whatever it is he does, but that's that's how it comes across. And they seem to disappear and glide around. They do all these uh, very unnatural movements. So it just you know confuses us more. Like, what are these things? Um, do you have any other uh, theories on what this could be? Or 
Well, and I don't even know how to explain this, but in some of my notes I've written a rip in the space-time continuum. Could this be a time traveler that was just happened to be lost in, in uh, not that I believe in time travel, but I know that anything is possible, but that's one of the notes I had written down was, was this, uh, because he talks about the depth of the figure, and yeah, so that was something that I that occurred to me that it could have been you know, some people believe we live in a simulation, if you will. Ah, yes. And that we, or that we live upon different planes, that there's different planes that are currently happening at simultaneously and that, you know, sometimes they intersect. Well, weirdly enough, that was, if I were to, if I were to go crazy, like what's your craziest theory? That would be mine. Um, some sort of interdimensional riff where something from, a similar but not same dimension of ours and and I don't understand these quantum physics whatsoever so I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I do this would take days of research to even vaguely understand what's going on but um, from what I understand in, in my little bit of reading it is possible and it I don't know if it's confirmed but it is possible that there are other dimensions on top of ours under ours next to ours wherever these things are is it possible then that there's some sort of gateway that allows whatever's over there to come over here. And that could explain, like you said, the one-dimensional appearance of this creature. Perhaps in that dimension, things are only one dimension. Um, this could be nonsense, for all I know. Uh, again, I haven't done any research on this, but it's an interesting theory, so I like where your head's at there. Uh, the, the one thing that stood out to me, and I actually laughed the first time I heard it, the uh, first time I heard the call, was that he ran toward it and got within four feet of this thing. And... And Tim, I commend you on that, and I wish other people would attempt the same thing. Um, go investigate, see what these things are. I mean, face your fears and and do it. I, I really hope nothing bad happens as a result of that advice. But um, I just love the fact that he was inquisitive enough. He wanted to figure out what this was, and he got four feet away and decided this was a bad idea and took off in the other direction. I, I love that portion of the call. Um, that that part was hilarious to me. So, Tim, I really like that you use the word shenanigans because I'm a big instigator of shenanigans and I you used it correctly. Uh, so adrenaline's a funny thing and um, I'm totally going down a rabbit hole here and I apologize now to the listeners and to Derek. But one time it was Halloween and we were, you know, when you have little kids, you go trick-or-treating to all your friends' house because that's what you do when you're quote-unquote grown-ups. And these teenagers and I used to teach junior high um, we were at my friend's house trick-or-treating with all the, you know, our cute little kids. And, oh, my gosh, you know, look at these adorable kids. And these teenagers were stealing the solar-powered lights <laughs> out of her yard. And I don't know what possessed me. Here I have, like, a three-year-old and my husband. I took off my shoe and ran after them down the block. And I don't really run. I've I've covered that. But, um, but oh, I was angry. And they dropped the solar panel bike. I'll tell you what, adrenaline does weird things. I don't know why I took off my shoe. I think I was going to hit them with it, but like <laughs> throw it at them, not hit them. But, you know, I was trying to get my friend's solar powered lights back. Gosh darn it. Here's the funny part of that. In like three weeks, I'll get a call from some young guy in, in Wyoming that's like, yeah, some crazy lady chased me with her shoe. You won't believe the story. <laughs> and it's going to be you. Yeah, it, yeah I, it will be embarrassing. <laughs> terrible that's okay that's, that's just who i am 
that's awesome. I had some of my solar lights stolen recently, so I wish you were here to fend off whoever <laughs> did that. Um, I'd like to have those back if anyone's listening. Um, the last thing I want to point out uh, on Tim's call here, awesome call, by the way, Tim, um, the fact that there were two witnesses to this. Uh, Tim saw it, obviously, and his mother saw it. And the fact that it pretty much just disappeared, I realize his mother didn't see it disappear, but the way he described it, it was kind of impossible for it to just run away without her seeing it. So that certainly adds clout to the fact that there was something physical there. Um, what that thing was is, you know, up for interpretation, but uh, that definitely helps um, his case to prove that something was there, at least. So that's definitely helpful. Tim, having grown up in the 80s as well, um, if your mom is anything like my mom, he probably disappeared because he was scared. <laughs> yeah. Moms I, are crazy. I know that feeling. <laughs> okay, well, thank you so much, Tim, for, for sharing that story. And uh, The one thing I did want to point out, I wrote this down in my notes, was the Highgate Vampire, which we touched on um, after the uh, Illinois call a few episodes ago. It's another creature that's very similar to the description given of this entity. Um, I'm not real sure if there's any correlation whatsoever, but the fact that these things are seen other places kind of uh, opens a lot of questions. You, it, it's not regionally specific, I guess, is the way I want to put this. Um, it seems like these things might be everywhere. Although, I have gotten a lot of calls from the state of Arizona in the past couple weeks, so... Whatever's going on there, here's some weird stuff in Arizona. Uh, I'm going to have to make my way over there and do some investigating, I think. So uh, thank you again, Tim, for sharing that call. And I think that's going to do it for us, Addy. Thank you so much for coming on. Like I said, you helped me out in a bind. I only had maybe 12 hours before my flight, and I knew I had to get a show out. So uh, I really appreciate you coming on. I had a great time talking spooky with you, so thank you. Well, thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. I enjoy working with you, and I enjoy working with the fans. And I really hope that you have a very safe trip. And thank you, Derek, for your time. And that's going to do it. So um, my regular spiel here, Monsters Among Us is written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. I want to thank the amazingly talented Warren Pond Abbott. Happy birthday, Warren. And the wonderful Addie. Thank you, Addie. Music from tonight's episode was provided by Mayu, Coag Music, and Nature World 1986. Thank you all for listening, and until next week. It all starts with an invitation to experience Lexus. To start the ignition. To feel confident. To be connected to everything. It starts as an invitation to drive a Lexus vehicle. 
but it becomes a dynamic experience. The Invitation to Lexus sales event. Your invitation is always open, but the offers only last through March 31st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Click the banner to discover more.